This morning, um, we have been looking through the book of John up until uh, Palm Sunday, and we'll get back to the book of John a little bit later on uh, in the summer. But this morning, I want to talk to us about time. I want to talk to us about the stewardship of time. Every one of us in this room, no matter how old or how young you are, how rich or how poor, no matter what part of the world, whether you're in this room or out of this room, doesn't make any difference where you're from, we all have the same amount of time in a day, right? 24 hours, right? Uh, we have 24 hours. We have seven days in a week. In the months that have 31 days, we have 31 days. In the months that have 30 days, we have 30 days. In February, we have whatever's on the calendar. We all have the same, right? And some of us have more of those 24-hour blocks than others. There are a few of us who've maybe whittled a few of those out of our life, but the reality is each one of us has 24 hours in a day. Now let me ask you this. How many of us in this room are guilty of saying, oh, if I just had a little more time, we just had a few more hours in the day. Sometimes we've actually even made statements like, yeah, I, got in, I worked 26 hours yesterday. You know, it's, it's been busy. Like we, 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 we need all this extra time. But the truth of the matter is, each one of us, each day, gets 24 hours, no more and no less. So the question really isn't, how can I find more time in my day but the question is how do we use that time to honor and to glorify God what are we doing with the 24 hours that we have in a day some of us choose to sleep 8, 10, 12 hours a day some of us sleep 5 or 6 hours a day some of us I don't know we do whatever we do right Ephesians chapter 5 the apostle Paul writing to the church He's writing to the church, and just previous to this, in in Ephesians chapter five, in verse one, Paul tells us to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And then we get down to verses 15 through 17. And in verse 15, Paul says, be careful then how you live your life, not as the unwise, but as wise. He's actually talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. He's talking to people who've accepted Christ and he says, be careful how you live your life, not in an unwise way, but live your life wisely. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Have you noticed that there's some bad stuff in our days? If you, if you keep the TV off, you're probably doing better, but if you listen to the news, there's junk all around us. Therefore, in verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. I challenge you to read through the Gospels. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look for any place where Jesus says, I'm tired, I'm too busy, or there's just not enough time to get all that done. Look for a quote where Jesus said, boy, I wish I had an extra, uh, uh, I need to make some more time today. We don't find that in the Gospels at all, right? I know there were times when Jesus was tired. I know there were times when Jesus was hungry. But we never find him looking for more time. As a matter of fact, what he did was he did strange things. Like when things got really busy, Jesus would disappear and he'd go and he'd spend time with his father, right? The disciples would wake up and go, where'd he go? They, They didn't know. And he was off praying. He was off 
getting refreshed, getting renewed, preparing for the day. Um, Joel Osteen's father, I don't remember what his first name was, John Osteen, when he started a church in Texas, um, one of the worst areas of Texas, I read an interview from him one time, and he said, uh, I am so busy, I cannot afford to not pray at least two to three hours every morning before my day starts. He would set himself aside, two to three hours, chisel that out every morning because he was too busy to not pray. How many of you know it seems like prayer sometimes is the last thing we do, right? I mean, we go running headlong through our day and all of a sudden we hit a wall and we hit another wall and we crash again and we go, you know what, maybe I should ask God. Our example, Jesus, he got away often. So, what does Jesus know or understand about time that we don't get? The Bible says in, in the book of John, the apostle John wrote down that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and that Jesus was there in the very beginning and that everything that was created, he was there for. He saw it all. He saw everything that we see around us, Jesus saw created. I think one of the things that he understands about Time Now, nowhere does the Bible say that God spoke time into, the, into existence, but we do have a record that says, and, and, and evening and morning was the first day, and evening and morning was the second day. God, during creation, creates time. I believe time is a gift for us. I believe it. Otherwise, like, when do you start church? Hey, what time do you... No, we can't use that. If we don't have time, is not there. If God hasn't created time, how do you know when any, it'd be like being in Haiti? When are you coming? Oh, nine o'clock. Well, nine o'clock is anything from 8.59 to 10.01. That's the nine o'clock hour. I don't know if that drives anybody as crazy as it does me, but let's be there on time. God created time for us. I think time is a blessing. The second thing, that we see about time is, and we tend to forget this, is that time is limited. We each have 24 hours a day, but we only have so many of them. We only have so many minutes with our children to form bonds, form bonds and to shape them before they leave our homes. We only have so many minutes with our parents before we move out and before they ultimately go away. The other day, um, my grandson decided that he wanted to spend the night at grandma and grandpa's. We'd have to understand that this is a pretty rare thing. He doesn't like being away from mom. And so often about an hour into being away from mom, he wants to go home with mom. And mom's not there. Mom's 10 miles away. And grandpa's not gonna take him. And the next thing you know, it's ah. Maybe that's never happened in your houses. But I'm sitting in the chair the other day and Benny wants to stay. And it's like, well, all right. So we did everything we could to convince him to go home with mom. You should, you know, mom, mom's not gonna come back. Grandpa's not gonna take you into town. No, he wanted to stay. And mom left and he gave her a hug. I don't know, he may even give her a kiss. Told Elena goodbye. And about two minutes later, he hops up in my lap. And we sat there. And we rocked. And I said, we should read a book. And so we went on a bear hunt. We're going on a bear hunt. He loves that book. 
And then we read another book. And then he's like, Grandpa, we should do a puzzle. So Grandpa got out of his chair and he laid down on the floor and we did a puzzle in about this position. Now getting down is easy, sorry. That's the way I feel. See, it's getting up. That's more difficult. But you know, the reality is we only have so much time. And when those days are gone, they don't come back. I can still get down on the floor and do a puzzle with my grandson. The odds of my daughter asking me to do that again, pretty slim. She's probably not gonna ask me, Dad, can we get down and do a puzzle? Right? Not gonna happen so much. We only have so much time. And you know this. We know this. We know we've each had to say goodbye to somebody in our life. We've each had to let go of somebody. Time is precious. I think when we understand that. How many of you have ever known a person who was given a prognosis of cancer or given a a notice by a doctor that, you know what, you've only got a short time to live? You know what those people do? They, they stop holding back and they decide that they're gonna live life. They decide they're gonna take every minute and just live it to its fullest. Well, why don't we do that on the front side? Paul says, don't waste your time. Anybody ever heard of Irma Bombeck? Sure, Irma Bombeck a number of years ago was diagnosed with cancer. She was a writer This is what she wrote when she was diagnosed with cancer and found out she only had a short time to live. She said, if I had my life to live over, I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over for dinner even when the carpet was stained and the sofa was faded. I would have eaten popcorn, quote unquote, in the good dining room. And I would have worried much less about the dirt when somebody wanted to light a fire in the fireplace. I would have taken time to listen to my grandfather rumble about his youth. I would never have insisted the car windows be rolled up on a beautiful summer day because I had just teased my hair and sprayed it. I would have burned the pink candle sculpted like a rose instead of having it melt in the storage closet. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching TV and more while watching life. I would have shared more of the responsibility carried by my husband. I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending that the earth would go in a holding pattern if I weren't there for a day. I would never have bought anything just because it was practical, it wouldn't soil, or it was guaranteed to last a lifetime. Instead of wishing nine months of pregnancy away, I would have cherished every moment and realized the wonderment growing inside of me was the only chance in life to assist God in a miracle. When my kids kissed me impetuously, I would have never said, later, now go get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love yous, more I'm sorries. But mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every minute. I would look at it and really see it, really live it. 
and never give it back. Irma Bombecht, like many, realized at the end of her life that there was many things that she worried about that were just not that important. Have you ever had that reality check? That sometimes we spend a lot of time fussing and fuming about things that just really do not make much difference. Yesterday, while I was digging out a stump, it's a good thing to dig out a stump. It's okay to dig out a stump. But at the end of the day, I don't even park back there. But the stump is gone. It's okay to do that. But sometimes we have to look and say, you know, what's really the value? I've shared this several times. You know, we, we run headlong into life. And, and, it, and before long you realize a day is gone. Wow, I didn't get, get to accomplish it. Then, then a week is gone. Then a month is gone. Have you ever just woke up one day and went, man, I've been here for 10 years. I've been in DL. We moved to DL 10 years ago. A decade we spent in DL. I was just telling somebody this morning, I was thinking I need to go back and, and see my mom. I haven't seen her in a few weeks, uh, um, a couple of months. How many times you just wake up and you realize, you know, that person that I said I was going to stop by and we were going to have a pop. We're just going to sit down and chat. We're just going to sit down and hang out. Somebody that we haven't talked with for a long time and yet time goes on and we have not done that. We wear ourselves out running, 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 running and yet we don't take time to stop. We don't take time to breathe. We don't take time to just, I don't know, be a human being instead of a human doing, instead of a human running. There's actually a video, if you'd ever want to take an hour and and laugh, you could go on uh, YouTube and watch uh, Wayne Cordero, and the name of the video, I actually thought about showing it this morning, the name of of the video is called Dead Leader Running. And it's just, it's an amazing story of a guy who had just this crash. He just crashed. And he had no, no idea what was wrong. And the doctor's like, you need, you need a break. And he's like, hook me up with a pill. And the doctor's like, you can't get a pill for this. I do wiring, a little bit of wiring on the side. Do you know a circuit breaker? When that circuit breaker is rated for 15 amps, it's good for a little over 15 amps, actually. But when it pops... You know, not when you shut it off. You can shut it off. But when it pops, when you overrun it and it pops, it is never good for 15 amps again. If it pops a second time or a third time or a fourth time, it'll pop more and more and more and more and more. And finally, that 15 amp breaker won't even be good for 10 amps. It can't, it can't handle it. It's been snapped. Many of us go through life that way. We run and run and run and run and run. Paul says, man, don't waste your day. Don't waste your life. Make sure that we, that we take time. Lonnie shared this. This is one of the greatest bits of wisdom I've ever heard. You know how when you get older, time goes faster? Right? Is it just me? No. Time, every, older, every year you get older, time gets faster. I mentioned that to Lonnie one day. He said, well, it's really simple. He said, when you're five, a year is one-fifth of your life. When you're 50, it's a 50th of your life. Right? Now think about that in terms of days. 
man alive, they just click right by and you go, how did this happen? How did I get here? We each need to take time. I read a story a number of years ago, even though it only feels like it was a week or so ago. Um, It's a European missionary. Now, is it true? Is it not true? I don't know. But after serving in Africa, this was... This was, a, well, it was a, probably a hundred years ago or so. He hired a local uh, group of villagers as porters to help him carry supplies into a distant station where they were ministering out of. And the porters went much slower, at a much slower pace than the, minist- than the missionary wanted to. So after the first two days, he decided he was gonna jack them up and he was gonna push them faster. And they're gonna make more time on that third day. So they did. He got them all amped up and he got them jacked up and the third day, they went as far on the third day as they did the first two days combined. So he sat around the fire that evening with his missionary buddies and they kind of congratulated themselves on all their leadership skills and man, how they were just, they, they just did such a good job of moving these people forward. But on day four, when they went to leave, their porters wouldn't move. And so the missionary asked, well, what's wrong? And the, the guy said, uh, nothing. Well, he said, let's go. You know, we gotta, we gotta move. And he said, we, we can't go any further. The, the, the porter said, we, we can't go any further. And the missionary said, well, why not? Everybody seems like you're all well. He's like, yeah, we're, we're well. But we went so quickly yesterday that we have to wait for a day for our souls to catch up. Have you ever just run so fast? It's like you're, you're going here. I tell people on a regular basis, sometimes I think I see myself coming and going. You just, you gotta go, 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 go. Many of you work seasonal work. It's summer, we gotta make hay while the sun shines. We gotta run, 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 run hard at it. You know, in the Old Testament, we're told over 40 times to meditate on God's word. In the New Testament, uh, Paul writing to the church in Philippians said, think on these things. Whatever things are just, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. When was the last time you pulled up a chair and you sat down and you said, I'm gonna think about things that are just. I'm gonna think about things that are lovely. I'm gonna think about things that are of good report. Honestly, when was the last time you did that? I'll guarantee you did not have a TV remote in your hand when you were doing that. The last time you just sat down and thought about God, thought about what he's done in your life, thought about how grateful you are for your family. We had an emergency prayer request this week for a baby, two years old, that swallowed something and was coughing up blood and having, you know, couldn't stop coughing. It turns out this baby swallowed a splinter of wood you, you can imagine the, the panic and the angst and the run, 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 run. And at the end of it, and the doctors are able to take care of it, somebody needs to just sit down and say, thank God. Just say, thank you, Lord, for what you did. I got a text right away. It said, please pray. This is what happened. We don't know what happened, but this is the baby swallowed something. And I remember when I, you know, three, four, five texts later, if you're part of our prayer team, you got several of those texts. And afterwards, I just sat down and I thought, thanks, God. 
snacks. You know, we run so fast, we just forget that each one of us has a limited amount of time and that God, God wants to work in that time. Rather than take time to meditate, meditate or just to reflect on God, to study, to just be quiet, we find that living in the real world, we tweet and we chat and we snap and our smartphones are going off and social media networks, they claim that, that now when, a, when a, a younger person, I'm just gonna say millennials, I don't care if you're a millennial or not a millennial, but they claim now that instead of having their cell phone off to the side while they're typing on their computer, they'll actually have it in front of them, open, on, ready to go, just in case something really important happens. Have you ever just wanted to throw it out the window? Well, but you don't understand. This is, how, this is my life. This is how I communicate. You don't understand. I get it. I get it. We're just so amped up. It's time to maybe let our soul catch up. I mean, honestly, when was you sat at a stoplight here, you want to see where your soul's at? Go down to this intersection down here. Yeah, there are people shaking their head. I'm going to run that bloody light in. We cannot sit there for a minute. Have you ever timed it? Maybe it's two, three, four minutes. Can't. A minute, a minute and a half, somebody who's timed it. A minute and a half, and we're sitting there with the car in neutral, and the. We gotta get out. We, we we wasted a minute and a half at a stoplight. Really? It shortens our life. My blood pressure goes up just talking about it. Confession, the Bible says, is good for your soul. I run it at least once a week. I will sit there. I will sit there and I'll look. It's forget it. Ugh. Okay. Sorry. It just. My life is so important. My minute is so important. If somebody, if the light turns green and the car in front of you doesn't move, on average, some people are a little higher or lower than the average. On average, we'll wait four and a half seconds before we honk the horn. Some people, it's much quicker than that. My daughter, Lindsay, it's like the, like the, the flag just dropped. On, you know, bam, light, it just changed. The other bulb is still warm and you're beeping your horn already. Right? Our life is so, we got so much going on because you know we're answering texts while we're sitting there. Take a breath. A deep cleansing. Take a breath. Is life, are we really that? There's so much going on that we have to just run and get all wound up. We need to return to the concept of a biblical rest 
In Genesis chapter two, we read about God after all of creation. We read the, the account of creation. He did it all. I don't care whether you believe a day was 24 hours, whether you believe it was 700 years, or you believe it is, actually I do care. I believe it was 24 hours, but that's me. But anyhow, after seven days, he, he did all of it in six days, and then he put his feet up. He rested. I actually saw a picture online. It was a picture of, of Jesus and he was on a cloud and in the background was a calendar where you could see it was day seven and he was on a cloud like this. And I thought, what a great picture. What a great picture. He just rested, the Bible says, and God rested on day seven. He rested. Now am I saying every seven days you gotta take a day off or you're going to hell? No, in the book of Mark, Mark records Jesus' words and Jesus said that the Sabbath was for man. Man is not for the Sabbath. The, the world is not gonna stop if you and I do not take a Sabbath day. But the Sabbath day was meant for us to get refreshed, for us to get restored, for us to get rebuilt. How many of you just need that in your life on occasion? If you don't raise your hand, you don't know. You're lying. You need it. We need it. You're too young and you've got too much caffeine. We need it. I'm telling you, there's going to come a day where you just need it. Take advantage of it. Grab that day and simply take in God. Look at a leaf. Sit and look at a tree. Sit and look at a lake. Silence your soul. Calm yourself so that your soul gets a chance to catch up to us. A Sabbath in a biblical sense is a time to just slow that down, to build up your reserve physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. We get spent. We get spent. I don't remember the name of the guy. He was a, uh, he was a, a, a leader of the, the world's largest evangelical movement. His name's gonna come to me. I believe he was in Colorado several years ago. He got caught in a, a moral sin. Um, no, not Schwager. Who? Who? Dutch, no. I don't remember the guy's name offhand. Again, it'll come to me. So he's in the middle of this, this sin. The trial comes out. This thing is exposed. And he was interviewed um, by another Christian leader. And the leader said, how did this happen? I mean, how'd you get there? You're preaching in front of thousands of people every week. You've got this massive church. You've got all these ministries. How did it happen? And he said, well, this is, it's taken me a while, but this is what I realized. He said, every time I read God's word, I'd do it for her. And I'd give it to him. And I'd give his word to him. And I never took the time to take it in for myself. I never just stopped and got refreshed. Ted Haggard, I knew it would come. See, you can stop now. Jim Hokinson was looking at the ceiling to see if he could read it on a beam up there or something. (laughs) Ted Haggard was the man's name. Listen to what Psalms 23. Most of us could repeat Psalms 23, could recite it from memory. Psalms 23 is six verses. It's 117 words. But listen to this. And we, we hear it a lot at funerals. But this is not a funeral psalm. This is David 
Um, and David writes this in Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can we just stop right there? How much running do we do because we just want, we want, we want, we want, we gotta have, we gotta do, we gotta get, we gotta. The Lord is our shepherd. He says if you're in relationship with God, he's gonna tend to you, he's gonna take care of you. Sheep aren't overly bright. Uh, you, you, know, you hear about wild herds of, of elk and wild herds of of horses and wild herds of gazelle and you don't often hear about wild herds of sheep there are a few different but they're really not all they kind of need somebody to tend to them that's when they flourish that's who we are the bible calls us sheep we kind of need somebody to tend to us and here david says the lord is my shepherd He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. We need someone to lead us. We gotta, there's a a sheep, here's what a shepherd would do. A shepherd, if he he got, he'd tend his flock and then evening he'd come and he'd count all of his sheep when they come in, 87, 88, 89, 90, 98, 99, we've got 99. Where's the last one at? You know, maybe a sheep would start nibbling on some grass here, and then there's a little bit nicer grass over there, a little bit more grass over here, and the next thing you know, they've wandered off. He'll leave those sheep with somebody else, and he'll go find that one. See a picture of a shepherd carrying that sheep over his shoulders. God, that's who God is for us. He makes us to lie down in still waters. He leads us beside still waters. Verse three, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Our righteousness is not about us. If we're leading a right life, it's about him. It's about what he's done. It's about his name's sake. It's not about mine. He restores our soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is our shepherd. He fills us up. He restores our soul. He's our shepherd. David says, make space for God and he's going to restore your soul I asked last week if you consider this your church if you'd if you'd show up here this morning had something I wanted to share with you and this is part of what I want to share with you for about the last year the Lord has been speaking to me specifically about this issue about my running about my needing to come up for air. And I know that every time I get up and preach, I'm not only preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. God's word speaks to me. For about the last year, I felt like the Lord's been speaking to me about taking a sabbatical, about taking some time off. 
several months ago it was confirmed. Somebody came in my office and he said, hey, look, I just want to talk to you about something I think God is kind of speaking to you. And so I shared this with the elders. And um, my wife and I are going to take some time off here soon. Now, it's not about having a nervous breakdown or being any more emotional than I usually am. It's just about taking some time off. A firefighter, I read this article about firefighters, and firefighters cut a fire break. When the forest fire is burning out of control, they come to a point where they actually stop working on the fire, and they move a half a mile away, and they'll cut a path a quarter of a mile wide so that when the fire gets there, it doesn't have anything to burn. And I'm going to tell you how this came up in my my life. My wife and I had started talking a while ago to a financial manager and we're looking at the, we actually could probably retire in 10 years if we wanted to. I'm 55. Um, I don't know if that'll happen actually, but we could. And um, we have always thought, I've always thought that the best retirement plan for my family is that someday I'll die and she'll get enough money to retire. It was really simple. You don't have to think much that way. We just keep insurance, and then eventually I'll die, and she'll get to retire. That's kind of what it is. Um, But as he was talking, he said, you know, you guys have done okay, and you've got this and that, and, you know, you could probably retire in 10 years. And the thing that struck my soul was, I don't want to work the next 10 years. I don't want to lead this church for the next 10 years and just drag myself to the finish line. For this body... For this church, you deserve better than that. And so I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me about taking some time to get my soul refreshed, taking some time so my wife can get her soul refreshed. So May 12th will be our last Sunday for a few weeks, actually. Um, We're going to take two months off. Um, there's never a good time to do this uh, there's lots of things that need to get done there's more, I wish we had more things done on the building I wish we had more things done here there the other thing I wish the lawn was perpetually mowed forever and ever and we wouldn't have to think about it but the reality is um, we just finally set a date and said May 12th we're going to take a day Take, a, take two months off. Well, I've been preaching for, the first time I preached was September of 1982. If you do the math real quick, you'll find out it's almost 37 years, and September will be 37 years. The last church I was at, we were at uh, eight to nine years full-time. Here we've been 10 years full-time. I haven't preached all that time, but I've preached a long time, and I feel like God just needs to pour in. Like we just need some time. And so I want you to know we're not, um, I'm not out looking for another job. I'm not, um, I'm not looking for another job. <laughs> we're just gonna take some time. We're actually gonna visit a few churches in the area that we've wanted to visit. We're actually gonna spend some time just, I don't know, considering the lilies of the field. We're gonna take some time to read through the Psalms. We're gonna take some time to just meditate and relax and let God build into our lives and restore. We're gonna let our soul catch up. In that time, I've asked Pastor Brian to step up and he's gonna be our senior pastor. He'll be our lead pastor for those two months. 
If he does a good job, somebody can give me a call and let me know I can take a third one or whatever that looks like. As he, as he does a good job. There's not, a, there's not an if to it. <laughs> wow, time flew. So Brian and Sandy are gonna step into that capacity. I need you to be praying for him. We're also gonna be firing up the chapel on a hill or higher ground out there, and he's got a church on Sunday nights, the Cowboy Church. He's gonna be busy. Three hours a week. We're up to three hours a week, Brian. Um, as Annette's going to be uh, stepping down as well for this time, we've asked Nicole to step up and lead worship. Brian preaches different than I did, but we've got the same heart, right? I'm not concerned about that. We, we want to stand together. Our elders are in agreement, yes? One over here is representing. We have actually had this conversation. Um, so I just really want you to understand that this is, you know, again, there's nothing huge that's going on, we're cutting a fire break. We just want to get charged up. We want to take the next 10 years strong. We don't want to take the next 10 years dragging. Uh, actually, in many denominations, um, uh, sabbaticals are required. Uh, seven to 10 years, between a month and a year. Some churches require a year of sabbatical. Uh, I would lose my mind. I don't know what I would do. It wouldn't work. But we're going to take a we're going to take a couple of months. Um, and really, it is about just getting refreshed. So don't be surprised if we don't show up at events. Don't be surprised if I don't answer my cell phone. It's nothing personal. It's just personal. Um, we're not going to. We're going to. The elders have actually asked if I'm going to get another cell phone so I can just shut this one off and leave it on the counter. We're not going to be doing. Uh, marriage counseling if you need something if you need to talk to a pastor or one of the elders contact the church office Corey will make sure that that gets to where it needs to go Um, I believe that the world will not stop spinning if I do this Um, and so it's just a good opportunity for the body to be the body and it's an opportunity for us to just take a breath so That being said, I would like to have Brian and Sandy come up and I'd like to have Nicole come up and Annette and Lonnie and Linda's not here, but I really want to pray over them as they're leading the charge here for the next couple of months and just really believe that God's going to get a little closer here. Well, you you can face them, that's fine, but (laughs) see, I'm going to stop guiding and leading people to do everything. I'm just going to take a break, so... (laughs) Let's just pray over them. Well, Father, we just thank you so much for Brian and Sandy and for Nicole as she steps up to, to lead worship. Lord, I just pray that you would, you would give them your grace. God, I pray that they would just sense your presence, that they would know, in particular as Brian, uh, week after week is sharing three times a day at times. God, I pray that you would just keep him fresh, keep him Vitalized, he'd take a month after this. But I, he just, I just pray that you'd, you'd pour into his life. You'd direct him. Thank you for each one of them. God, we pray for this church, for this body. We just ask that you'd continue to pour life out here, that people would recognize your presence. They'd know you're here. God, we just thank you for your goodness. I just pray for a blessing over this, this time. We thank you for it. I thank you for the elders, for the leadership of the church. God, this church is in great hands, mostly because it's in your hands. So I just thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your life. 
Pray, God, that you would just bless this season that we're in as a church. Thank you for it. I believe, God, for inspiration and direction while we're taking a rest, while we're taking some time. Just believe you for refreshing. Thank you for it, God. We just ask you to bless this time and this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. God, next week. next week he's going to pray for, okay. <laughs> so, as we look at this whole concept, we're, we're talking about taking a sabbatical, but the reality is every week, every week, each one of us needs to find that time every day. We need to find the time where we just get before the Lord and we say, God, I need to take you in. I need to take you, I need to stop long enough to get rebuilt and refreshed and renewed. We went to a concert last night there was a barbershop quartet concert in town last night, and they did several different acapella things, and, and at one point, it was just so refreshing to just sit and listen and just take it in. It was so refreshing. We need to do that, folks. We need to slow down, unwind, and let God fill us up. Amen? God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week and uh, don't forget to take time for God this week. Amen? Amen.